welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Some of you who have been listening to me for a long, long time know that initially Bostonian Rap was... My first few shows, the first few months, I focused on music. So every so often, I like to start the show with a little jazz, a little um, experimental uh, type of music. Sometimes I try to play the classics. Um, so, yeah, I'm not just a one—I'm no one-trick pony. I'm not just uh, singularly focused. Uh, I love music and so many other things. But, yes, I often talk about politics— And that's, of course, what Bostonian Rap uh, became, a talk show where I talk about, among other things, politics. Uh, We're going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about more than a few things. Uh, We're, of course, going to talk about uh, the city council races in Boston. Um, But I want to talk about uh, a few other items as well. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you will enjoy tonight's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Okay, so we're back. Uh, Apparently, (laughs) uh, the, the system had other ideas and said, you know what, Rachel, we have a pretty cool vibe going on tonight. So we're just going to continue with music. Uh, Not so fast. It's my show. I decide what's going to happen in the show. So as I said, before we went to the quick disclaimer, I want to talk about the city council elections. And I really, I implore people to get out and vote. It is so important. And how I have started really describing this city is it's it's a business. Boston is a business. And it's not about being cynical. It's not about being detached. It, it really is. There is a budget. It provides services. Um you know, the government of Boston, it's a business. That's how I see it. And I see Michelle Wu, Madam Mayor, I see her as the CEO. And I see the Boston City Council, shall we say, you could say maybe managers or maybe the board of directors. But the point is, is that It's a business, and it has to function like one. And, you know, of course, there are different types of businesses, just like there are different types of nonprofits. And I like to think of Boston as a socially conscious business. And so 
there, as I said, there's a budget, and that is a very serious, that's a very serious matter. But it's in the business, as I said, of, of providing services and taking care of the consumers. And that's us, the residents, Bostonians. And I just, you know, in describing it as such, I, I really want people to kind of just consider for a moment Boston in that, in that light. Because when you think about it, while there are other ways to describe the city of Boston, I do think that that is certainly, I think for a number of reasons, it's a very apt way to describe it. And so if you're willing to accept to whatever extent that it is, in fact, a business, then I think you're going to have higher expectations of both the mayor and the Boston City Council. Now, of course, the mayoral race doesn't happen until uh, 2025, um, but you have some councilors already trying to jockey for that kind of attention. Uh, You have uh, two or three councilors who are already trying to present themselves as mayoral material. And I quite frankly find that offensive. And I've said this on past shows. It's very, very, very offensive because if you don't want to be a city councilor, then don't run for don't run for a seat. Now, I, don't get me wrong. And I've also said this. I don't have any problem with someone being ambitious. Ambition is good. You want to grow, you want to develop, you want to reach new heights. I think that's important, growth, in a number of different capacities. So I think that's certainly a very positive thing. And I would say a lot of people that go into politics, whether it's to hold public office or to work with someone who holds public office or to work within one of the agencies— I think I think it does tend to attract this this industry, if you will, this sector, this arena, <laughs> however you want to describe whatever word you want to use to describe politics, the realm of politics, the world of politics. I think that I think it does attract ambitious people. So I'm never going to you know, fault someone who has ambition in the political world. I'm not going to try to paint that person as a, some kind of anomaly. I'm not going to do that. And, I, you know, I myself have ambition, right? And it's not because I'm politically interested, but it's, it's because I just, you know, I want to grow. I want to develop. I want to do different things. I want to see how far I can stretch, if you will. My problem is that when there's ambition and little else, that's what bothers me. And I think that, you know, the idea of someone serving his or her first term on the city council 
and already making eyes at the mayor's office, I think that's offensive because what that's saying is that the person really didn't have much interest in being on the city council. The person was focused really on becoming mayor. So the city council is just a stepping stone. And I think that, I think it's not just true of Boston. I think that, I think in other other municipalities, you have candidates, some who are successful, you know, they, they, they get elected, others who are not. Uh, but they still attract attention and they get their name out there. Uh, they get their names out there. I think that they very wrongly and insultingly use a seat in municipal government or a bid for a seat in municipal government as a stepping stone. So again, understand me, if someone wants to be mayor one day, have at it. But if you're going to run for the Boston City Council, then you better darn well want to serve on the Boston City Council because it's not fair and it's not right to cash checks to make over $100,000 a year. I, I, yes, Boston City Councils are very, very well paid. Uh, I always like to say that there are governors, there are governors in this country that don't make as much money as Boston City Councilors. So it's a big job. It's an important job. And if you stand up to run for uh, one of the seats, you have to want to be there. And you can't make the seat what you want it to be. You can't do that. You have to understand what the purview of the office is. Now, I'll respect someone if he or she wants to wield a legitimate power within the purview of the office in a different and an innovative way. I'll actually doff my hat to someone who tries to do that, who can do that. Uh, I'll give the person kudos all day. But what we have now is that we have people who, they come from a different background, and they don't make the transition. They don't do that. You know, so for instance, you might have someone who's an activist. That's his or her background. Now, there was a time when being an activist actually meant something. Now, not so much. However, on occasion, you do meet someone who does bear that sobriquet, and the individual is, is, is an activist and someone who actually does get things done and, and someone who really does have principles and convictions, and that's his or her uh, compass, if you will, and the person does affect positive, substantive, uh, sustainable change. But, you know, today, activists, it's just people with an agenda. People with an agenda, and they're often intransigent, and they're married to their own needs and their own concerns and their own 
optic, uh, you know, the lens through which they look at everything. And so I don't think that that's very helpful or useful to anyone who wants to be an activist or or any kind of agent of change. But my point relative to the discussion of the Boston City Council is that if you want to be an activist, as I always like to say, go be an activist. But don't run for the city council, get elected, and cash checks for being an activist. Once you're on the council, then you become a public servant. And you don't have to leave being an activist behind. I mean, there are elements of that that you can certainly, and that one would obviously expect for you to take with you onto the council. But you have to understand ultimately that you are a public servant and that you're there at the will and at the pleasure of the people. And I think that, I think we saw that. We saw that you saw Kendra Lara and Ricardo Arroyo who were ousted. And, you know, they made history. I mean, their losses were historic and that I have to go back and look, but it's been decades since incumbents on the Boston City Council didn't make it through the preliminary. So it's it's really, I think, a sobering time because I think a lot of politicians are, are saying to themselves, well, you know what? If they got ousted, maybe I could too. You know, so it's it's... It's a wake-up call. And I also hope it's a wake-up call to the people because, you know, I'm, I'm very conservative. I'm a very conservative woman. I'm very much on the political right. But I enjoy listening to different perspectives, and I have friends. I'm proud to, to have friends that fall... Uh, you know, within different places, uh, you know, on different places within the political spectrum. And I find that their ideas and their their perspectives have enriched me and they have made me consider and think about, well, why do I think the way I do? You know, is this something that I should revisit this particular position? Is this this is this something that maybe I don't need to necessarily revisit per se, but maybe uh, can I maybe broaden my scope when I when I sit down and, and consider a particular issue? So I, I find it's a very in a num- in a number of, of different ways, but certainly at the fo- at the uh, first and foremost, it's very intellectually healthy to have friends who have different points of view, or who at the very least will challenge you and, and what you- what you're saying. So, and and of course, I'm not talking about being difficult, uh, you know, being combative, argumentative. We're not talking about any of that. We're, we're talking about you know friends who will engage you thoughtfully. And, and really, you know, make you think. 
So, you know, I started to say, you know, wake-up call, certainly for, I think, uh, politicians, but I hope it's a wake-up call for the people. And that was the point that I started to make. I, I do because it's... The power, it's, it's with the people. It's with the people. It's with the people. And if the people ever wake up en masse, are you kidding me? The lobbyists are going to, they're going to be on the run. The politicians, they're going to be on the run. Are you kidding me? Now, you know, one fine day, I might find myself a lobbyist, too, you know, because there's certainly been a number of issues over the years that I've advocated very strongly for. And I've gone to different politicians, elected officials, uh, you know, at different levels of government. And I don't want to paint all uh, lobbyists with the same broad brush. Uh, I don't want to do that with elected officials either, politicians. Um, but those who, who, who listen to me um, know that, you know, a lot of lobbyists, uh, while there's some that are fantastic and great, there are some and it's just it's. They, they, are, they are fixtures uh, in what is a very self-serving system. So it, it really depends. Some lobbyists, I love them to death, and others, um, it would be nice if they considered the needs of the communities that they, that they work in. And, I, and I'll just leave that there. Um, you know, elected officials, uh, same thing. There's some that I absolutely adore. And I think they've pulled off something that, quite frankly, is, 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 is quite magical and that they're, you know, effectively politicians, but at the same time, they remain public servants at heart. And I think that that's incredible. But I also don't think that that's an easy thing to do. So that just, I'll put that out there. But, you know, the point is, if the people ever woke up en masse, if people just decided, well, wait a minute, we're in control. My goodness gracious. Uh, how different things would be. And, you know, I also started to make the point of how I'm very much on the political right with friends as I, you know, went off and explained that, you know, friends, you know, the fall within different parts of the political spectrum. But, I myself am very much a conservative woman. I am a staunch Republican. But I'm going to say, I have, to, I have to be honest. None of the people, so the Republicans, they, we're really not, there might be some individuals, but the party is not a player yet. I say, yeah, because, well, I have high hopes and I'm ever the optimist. And I think that people have an appetite now, especially now for different views. And I, I saw that when I ran for Congress. It was a very interesting experience for me in that while in terms of votes, I wasn't successful. And for the people that did vote for me, uh, I will forever be grateful um, you know, it, unfortunately, it was what it was. I was, I was really, it's almost as if I ran as an independent, 
right, or a third-party candidate. Um, I didn't have the backing of my party. And my party, you know, under the former chairman, broke its <laughs> uh, broke its own uh, bylaws, violated them by endorsing a candidate before the preliminary. And it was it was tough. It was it was it was tough for a number of in a number of respects. Um, and so, like I said, you know, I I you know I got fifty four votes. Uh, apart from mine, um, but I wear those 54 votes with pride. I do, um, and the numbers dropped uh, for me and the other uh, Republican candidate that was recruited to uh, run against me. Not run for the seat, but run against me. And uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, uh, people understand the difference, the nuance between running for a seat and running against someone uh, who's also running for the seat. Definitely a nuance there. But the numbers dropped for both of us, and I got, you know, 10 votes apart from mine. And, you know, certainly, you know, I always say, I, and I'm, and I'm proud of those 10 votes. I really am. Um, you know, obviously, when you run for Congress, or certainly for Congress, um, you know, in a congressional district, um, but even something where the numbers are smaller, the, 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 the population is smaller, like, say, a district seat in the city council, Boston City Council, you know, those aren't results that you would like. But I wasn't on the ballot, and I was essentially um, an independent candidate or a third-party candidate. But I'm going to tell you that in terms of my ideas, I made a difference, I saw my ideas just keep on, you know, they just kept on, you know, coming up, coming up, coming up. Uh, you know, I saw people putting them forth. Would have been nice for credit, but I, <laughs> that that's that's another topic for another time. Um, you know, I saw people then start to talk about methanol mile, but in earnest, but in earnest. Um, and, you know, three, four years, uh, three years later, you know, look at all the talk around Methadone Mile. Although, of course, unfortunately, the talks that we're having now, we should have had them in 2020. We should have had them at the latest in 2021. That's not what happened. And uh, the city's going to pay a price. And, you know, to clean up the mess that we now have, well, it, it's going to take more elbow grease. But again, that's that, too, is another topic for another time. My point is, is that when you see your ideas being articulated in the same way by people who don't necessarily share your views on a number of different topics, you say to yourself, okay, well, my ideas are palatable then. They're feasible. And it also told me, it confirmed that Republicans do have something to say doesn't have to be me. It can be someone else. It can be your neighbor across the street that you don't talk to that much, and then you find out that he or she's Republican, and maybe you start talking to that person, and you, you just, you know, you find yourself on more than one occasion agreeing with that individual. But I think that on topics, uh, 
that would generate conversation around a kitchen table, I think any one of those topics, Republicans have something to say, right? Um, but unfortunately, we're not we're not players play we're not player players yet, but we will be. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that with every fiber of my being. But we do have conservative and moderate Democrats. But I got to tell you, they were outgunned. They were outgunned big time because you have uh, some conservative moderates. And, and I have like several names in my head. And I love them. I really like them. I, you know, supported them maybe when they were in office or maybe when they were running for office. There are conservative and moderate Democrats that I, you know, people are like, well, you're a Republican. You can't be saying that. Like, you might have some people in my own party who might say that, like, oh, listen to her talk about Democrats favorably. She's a rhino. It's like, no, you're an idiot. I'm not a rhino. I'm a Republican, and I'm also a reasonable <laughs> and intelligent human being. And I can recognize when people from another political party have something valuable to offer. And, you know, we're lucky in Boston because while the elected officials that we actually have don't necessarily reflect the pool of talent we have, we do have some very good people who either served or who are serving or who ran to, who ran to serve and— I, I think they're great, but they were outgunned by the political left. They really were in these city council races. And I, you know, that's another topic I wanted to bring up. Yes, I want people to get out and vote, but I think, I think also it's worth a sit down. I, I, I think it's worth a think about how we move You know, you have a lot of moderates and conservatives in the Democratic Party, and they put their money on some people. And I'm like, well, my name is Paul, and it's just between y'all. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money any more than I would allow you to tell me what to do with mine. So let me just say that right there. At the end of the day, let me make this abundantly clear. People can put their money where they want. But I think people should maybe think a little bit more. And if they still come to the same conclusion, that's their business, right? But I think that in the District 6 race, I think that I think that it was a stroke of genius. Ben Weber. Ben Weber is terrific. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want people, should he be successful, should he prevail in the District 6 race uh, for the Boston City Council, for the District 6 seat on the Boston City Council, uh, I don't want people to say, well, you hear what he's saying now, you agree with that? Look, I understand where Ben Weber is on the political spectrum. But what I've also gleaned from him is that there is, there is uh, there are beliefs, but they're anchored in reality. I do believe that. I think that I think he values pragmatism. And I think he sees the merit 
the importance in being reasonable. And it's it's just, it's crazy because we've come to associate words with different political labels, right? So if you're a progressive, now it's like, well, for a long time it was, well, you were intelligent, you were involved, you were forward thinking, you weren't racist, you couldn't be, you know, you set the table at which everyone else was supposed to then come up and eat, right? The progressives for many years, it was brilliant marketing, right? It was brilliant because if you wanted to be seen as intelligent, if you wanted to be seen as the guardians of the moral highway, all you had to do was say that you were progressive, really. But over time, and particularly lately, to be progressive, it's like, oh, gosh. Uh, okay, so how far off the rails are you? I know you're off the rails, but how far off are you? But, you know, that's not true. I mean, there there are people who are progressive, and maybe in a different time and a space, these same people with their same values and the same way of moving, if you will, they might even be liberals, you know, or just, you know, people somewhere on the, you know, left-wingers. I don't know. But there are people, I think, that, like I said, uh, you know, understand the value of pragmatism on the political left. And I think Ben Weber is one of them. And I think that it was absolutely another stroke of genius, him reaching out to everybody, Now, you know, in West Roxbury, it's on the whole more conservative, but you can't deny that there is a progressive presence. And District 6, by the way, isn't just JP and West Roxbury. You know, you also have some of uh, Rosendale and you have have, uh, some of Mission Hill. But often when we pe- when people talk about District 6, they talk about the battle between JP and West Roxbury. And JP is, you know, supposed to be progressive, you know, like comfortably left. But you have, you, I mean, hey, listen, yo, you have conservative Republicans and JP. Trust, trust and believe that. You do. You have conservatives there, and they might not have the R after their name, but there are conservatives who do have the R after their name. Trust and believe, all right? <laughs> Those are two, two words I want you to take away. Uh, trust, believe. <laughs> um, so you don't want to, to generalize. And, you know, some other people might say, well, you know, a lot of these people— in JP, they're not originally from JP. Okay, but, and that, you know, there are a lot of people who might not originally be from JP, but this is what I'll say. These are people that have made their home there. And if people, I have no problem with calling people transplants, not at all. But they're only going to get called transplants if they've come to Boston 
and they've never tried to understand what the city is about. If people come from some other place and they put down roots here and they get involved, and even if they don't agree with everything they see and hear, but they respect, they understand where it's coming from, they're not going to get called transplant. I have a friend. She's originally from Arizona. I don't know if her wife is from here. I don't think her wife is from here either. And I got to tell you, when they left Boston, I was angry. I was like, where are you going? Where are you going? You know, because it's, it's the idea that these were two people that were very involved in their community. And they took the time to understand Boston. They took the time to put down roots and, and be a part of the community in a way that was comfortable for them. And I think because they did it that way, I think that they, you know, they helped their community grow. And, 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 you know, I hesitate to use the word change because it's so tainted, tainted now, right? Um, Politics can do that. It can just take words and just make them, you know, just cover them with negativity. But, I think that they changed their, their community for the better. I mean, they're great. Um, but now they're, you know, doing wonderfully in, in um, a municipality well outside of Boston, and God bless them. But, you know, I give that example just to say that it's not because someone's not from here that, um, you know, automatically hostile. It, that's, that's, not, that's not it at all. Um, but, you know, to get back to the point, it's you have a district where, um, you know, you the, the biggest parts are Jamaica Plain and West Roxbury, and they're often pitted against each other. Um, what I would say is that in West Roxbury, you probably do have more, you know, it's, it's not just the people that you're hearing. I just think in general, it's more moderate and conservative. I do. Um, and JP, um, I think it, to, to some extent, it might be the voices that you're hearing, but but still, you know, who's actually voting, right? So that's why JP gets tagged with, like, the left label. But I'm going to tell you that it's—you have these labels, but at the end of the day, the, this district has got to come together— and you can't have parts that are, you know, this side versus that side, this neighborhood versus that neighborhood. I actually think that if people in the different parts of District 6 work better together, it could be a powerhouse district. Yow. Like, really, because it would be, like, intellectually speaking, very rich. Uh, because you do have a diversity of pol- a political thought there, as, you know, as I've been trying to explain. Um, but just in general, you have a lot of people who are very engaged in West Roxbury, in Rosendale, and Mission Hill, too. So don't want to leave them out. But I'm just talking about JP and West Roxbury because they're, you know, among the, you know, the, well, they are the biggest parts of the district. Um, but you have a lot of people who are very engaged in JP as well, Jamaica Plain, JP. Um, so... 
I would love to see that district more unified. And I think it could be a powerhouse in terms of what it could accomplish. You know, what people could do for each other across neighborhoods. Right? And so I think Ben Weber, he's run a very smart campaign and reaching out to West Roxbury and trying to build a broad-based coalition. He understood the district enough that he said, well, if I want to be successful, I can't just reach out to people on the left. And I'm not going to just be representing people on the left should I prevail. So he said, I got to be reaching out to everybody. And that's what he did. You have William King... And I said this in another show. I think that William King, I have nothing against him. I think he and his wife are charming. I think it's, a, you know, they're a very accomplished couple. They are nice people. But William King himself as a candidate, I feel like he ran is, I'm not Kendra Lara. And I feel like he did most of his work he started early, which was good. It's never bad. You don't, you, just, you don't want to start too early. It depends on what you do, though. You have to be smart if you start early, right? Um, it's a good thing, but you don't want to peak then, right? That's what you have to uh, be concerned with. But, you know, he started early, which I think is a good thing. Um, but it was it, I just felt like, well, I'm not Kendra Lara. Okay. All right. But, you know, oh, and, I, and I'm, you know, moderate. Well, he let people kind of pin that label on him, but he's not. I think he's more like somewhere center-left or maybe left, center-left-left. And I have no problem with that. But my thing is just be who you are. Whoever you are, just be that person. And running as I'm not that person, even if that's not how he actually ran even if that's not how Will King has actually been running his race, um, that's how I think it came across to more than a few people. And I just think that people right now are hungry for for something. They need something to chew on, right? And I mean, not to be funny, but literally and figuratively, right? Because, you know, it's tough out there right now. People are struggling, I mean, I think that for a while people are like, I can't wait to the end of COVID, the, the end of this pandemic. Okay, well, you know, the pandemic is supposedly over, although there have been rumblings about, you know, a new strain of, uh, of the COVID virus. And I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't want to comment too much on that. But let's just say that at the moment we're not in a pandemic. The pandemic is... Hopefully behind us for good, but we're at a place where we, we can at least breathe, right? Um, but I think that, you know, people hoping for the end, it, it's just I feel like it's been a cruel blow because just the cost of everything that has risen so dramatically. So for someone to stand up and be like, well, I'm not going to drive into a house, and I'm not going to be hard left. I mean, we just, people need more than that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm going to return to something that Will King was quoted as saying. 
in the Boston Herald. It was a piece written by Gail, uh, Gail Cawley, and it was about different candidates running for the Boston City Council. And he said, I'll fix the tea. No, Will, you won't. That's not something that a Boston city councilor can do, whether he is a district councilor or an at-large councilor. You cannot fix the T. The mayor cannot fix the T, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know where he was when Michelle Wu kind of got, you know, they were like blowing her, you know, blowing up her her Twitter handle and the like, and then offline too, that people had a lot to say because they were like, hold up, you're the mayor of Boston. You yourself cannot fix the tea. You yourself cannot make the tea free, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, you know, that's, that's you know, ultimately, you know, it's it's Maura Healy, the governor, right? Um, that, can, that can address matters uh, with the tea. Uh, you know, whether we're talking about Fixing it, you know, what needs to be done, the infrastructure, or making uh, the MBTA fair free. It, that's it stops with the governor. It's the, that's within the governor's purview, not a counselor on the Boston City Council. I mean, come on. Um, now, if Will had said something like, "I will be an advocate for strong transportation for my district." That I and if he had given an example, I would say, okay, go on, Will, with your bad self, because I, I would have been clapping. I would have been. I would have been out there in front of everybody clapping very loudly because that actually was an issue at one point when Matt O'Malley was uh, still on the council. Uh, for those of you who are less familiar with Boston politics, uh, Matt O'Malley was the uh, District 6 counselor on the Boston City Council before the current um, counselor, Kendra Lara. And they wanted to, on the E branch of the Green Line, they wanted to get rid of a stop where uh, you're in Mission Hill and you're on South, um, I'm sorry, you're on Huntington Avenue. And then it turns, the street turns, it becomes South Huntington and you're going into JP, Jamaica Plain. And they wanted to get rid of a stop. And Matt O'Malley was like, hold up, you can't do that. I mean, there is, uh, you know, there's a building right there. There's an accommodation right there where you have people who are less mobile. You cannot get rid of a train stop here. You, I mean, what are you going to have people walk further when they're limited in terms of mobility? What are you, what are you doing? Um, you have some people who are elderly. So, I mean, certainly if Will King had mentioned an issue with the MBTA that's pertinent to his district, and he talked about advocating and using the seat on the Boston City Council to advocate around that, certainly that, that yeah, sure, that would have been fabulous. But I'm going to fix the T? Nah, not anytime soon, <laughs> you know? So I think that, you know, in this sense, in this race, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. But I think Ben Weber is a great candidate. I do, because I think he's reasonable, and I think he's likable, and I think that he's on the left, but he'll listen to people on the right. And I think he's got a shot, should he prevail, if he prevails in this race, 
I think he has a shot at bringing people at least closer together. I'm not talking about everyone, you know, singing Kumbaya and, you know, swapping love beads, but I think he's got a chance of, of, of bringing, you know, the different uh, parts of the district closer together. I do. Um, and then you have uh, the District 6 race. Uh, I'm sorry, the District 5 race. And uh, Ricardo Arroyo was ousted there. Now, that race is different because I do think that Jose Ruiz is, I think there's a, I mean, with all due respect to Will King, I do think that he's talking about things that have a little bit more, you know, teeth, a little bit more substance. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, But of course, Pepin, Enrique Pepin, he's not a bad candidate. I you know, I have my preference, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, I prefer Jose Ruiz and I have reasons why. But I mean, of course, it's up to people in District 5 to make um, the decision for themselves, right? Um, but, you know, Pepin presents himself as very family oriented. Um, he's very young, but I think he's smart and saying, you know, look, I may be young, but I'm, I'm grounded and I have experience that would inform me should I prevail in this race. I have a family. I'm a working husband and father, you know, and so, you know, he's very clean cut. So, you know, he's an attractive candidate and he doesn't come across as, um, you know, unpleasant or uh, someone who has, uh, you know, a me-me attitude. He just, he comes across as, as, you know, likable. So I think that, yeah, I think that, um, you know, those are just a couple of examples where the left, the practical left, (laughs) the pragmatic left, the reasonable left, they outgun the moderates and conservatives because, you don't want to put money behind. Oh, I mean, people can do what they want. I already said that. But you don't want to put money behind people in principle. At least I don't. Just because they say, well, this is I'm a moderate or I'm conservative. I mean, you have to check the candidate out. The, cha- the candidate has to have a good platform. The, can- the candidate has to have ideas. One of the reasons I'll say this, when I ran, people wanted to meet me. And I'm talking about Democrats. Had at least, well, I'll just say that there were Democrats that wanted to meet with me. There were, um, or should I say meet me? Again, there's a nuance. They wanted to meet me. They wanted to just uh, feel me out. They just wanted to, oh, who is this person? I want to be introduced. I had Democrats who were willing to talk to me. Doesn't mean they were going to vote for me or support me. But they wanted to, you know, they were they were open to talking to me. And the reason why the wheels didn't fall off my cart again and didn't translate into votes uh, that would allow me to get on the ballot, um, unfortunately, the reason why I attracted that kind of attention was because I had a platform. And that just grounded me. It just, it really, like, that was, that was my platform, my ideas. And I knew the area in which I was running. And I understood government. 
I understood the purview of the office, and I talked about how I would work with the different levels, uh, you know, uh, people, if if I were to get on the ballot and then prevail against Diana Presley. And I know all that was saying a lot, but, you know, I was saying this is what I would have done. And people were like, oh, snap, you know, like, let me, I want to hear more. And that's the thing. I think we're at a time where people want to see that platform. And I think that it's just, and and I think actually one of the reasons why is because things have gotten kind of crazy (laughs) in a number of respects, but also people's pocketbooks. And when you're talking about money, people get really funny. People get really, really funny. They get more conservative really quickly. Honest to God, it's, it's, it's something. Um, but those are the points I really wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about, and, and I hope I didn't necessarily flesh out everything as much as I wanted to, but I really wanted to talk about just the need to get out and vote, um, to talk about just a little bit, people being a little bit more discerning and what is needed when you run for office and, and, and what's at stake and, and why we need to run a certain way, move a certain way um, because of what's going on in, in our respective communities. Uh, so I look forward to hanging out with you next week. Uh, and as always, I'm so grateful for you listening, uh, to, you, to you for listening, and uh, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye for now. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass. 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708. 3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.